What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Also, make sure you head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash ChairShot to get all of your sweet, sweet, sweet ChairShot.com merchandise, including the Bandwagon Nerds t-shirt, $19.99 for a shirt. Spend a few dollars more. They'll get it soft style. It will feel nice on your giblets. Make sure you also like, follow, subscribe, however you get your podcast. We're on all the networks, kids, and you can find us every single day of the week bringing you new content. Today, here on Monday, we're talking nerdy stuff. And we are going to we we have we have a very special show. We have a full bandwagon here today. That is right. We have four people on the bandwagon. We've got three regulars and a very special fourth member on the bandwagon. Currently distracted by what I would presume is his mother. But we will start by welcoming in Mr. Saturday Night PC Tunney. How you doing, bro? Good, good. Uh, having a good weekend. A lot of golf and uh, very hot here, but uh, ready, ready to get down to some nerd stuff, as you would say. It is 80 degrees and breezy here in Lowell. Uh, awesome. I want to mow my lawn after yeah. this. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, dodging hurricane debris over yeah. in Cali, our good friend, the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar. Dave, uh, is your house going to be okay? Are you in the path? I have no idea. I think she is going to pass a little to the east of us. We will get quite a bit of rain. Um, we, <laughs> we tore down the entire back they patio, clo- put everything. They, 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 they closed Disneyland. Did they? They should. Yeah. Anaheim's Anaheim's. They did, yeah. they did, they did close. They did close Disneyland. Yeah. And, and they've had uh they've sat uh, uh, Santa Catalina Island right off the coast of LA, which I've been to. They've told them get the hell out. Um, that's never happened before. 
So, um, yeah, I think we're going to get quite a bit of rain. I don't know about the wind, but yeah, I, I tried like Tony, I tried to golf yesterday, got through 10 holes and then a pre whatever Hillary spawn North <laughs> 300 miles North, uh, took down trees on both sides of my golf court. I have to send you the picture. I sent it to Tony. Like, wow, this just happened. It was kind of close, a little too close for comfort, but, um, yeah, it's um, it's unprecedented. Whatever is happening out here today, I I would not want to be in the mountains when I like Death Valley, which never gets rain this time of year, is getting it's like it's turning into an, a brand new lake out there. So it's um, no, there's no climate change happening, none at all, zero. No, it's all it's all a hoax. It's all a lie. And making his first full episode debut on the bandwagon, my son. The little O'Dowd. Little O'Dowd, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Everybody's like, this is lagging a lot for me, to be honest. Oh, no. Stupid Chromebook. Welcome. So this is this is going to be our life, is the little O'Dowd. You sounded great, by the way, when you spoke. So that's a good sign that your audio seems to be up to snuff as you do your little I'm so bashful. And apparently you have a squeak. You got a squeak toy going on over there? Is that, is I that have what's a happening? rubber duck. Is he the one? Does he make bath time? Lots of fun? Are you off he does say that everyone is great if you look at him from the front. Got you. All right. Says well, you're ducking great. Ducking great. I love it. So the little O'Dowd is here. To, he's going to join us. He's going to talk to us a little bit later in the show. He might have some comments on some of the things we're going to talk about uh, in the trailer part. Uh, we are going to finish discussing The Witcher. Uh, I got to say... When we get to that, it'll be kind of fun to discuss because both Tony and I made predictions and both Tony and I were correct on kind of how some things would go in The Witcher. So we're going to we're going to give ourselves a little bit of flowers. Uh, Dave and I were talking while recording a different podcast and he's um he, he's a little sad, a little sad about about how this uh, how this finished. But we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we got some fun tr- uh, trailers in the trailer park, one in particular that I know everybody will be willing, uh, willing and able to talk about. Um, and then in the second half, or in the in the second third of the show, we're going to we're going to talk uh, a little bit of the weekend that the little old doubt and I had on Saturday, uh, and we're all going to talk Blue Beetle because a lot of I think everybody did everybody see the Blue Beetle. I saw Blue Beetle. Tony, no, I had Tony way too is, much going on. Tony is going to have Blue Beetle spoiled to the nines, while Dave. And the little O'Dowd. Tisk, tisk, and I. tisk. Tisk, 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 indeed. Look at him throwing shade at you. <laughs> I mean, here, you know what we you know what we do when people fail us? We do this. <laughs> but before we get into any of that, any and all of that, we are going to start. You've already, you got two O'Dowds after you today, Tony, with your Kingpin shirt. <laughs> all right. So, Dave, I got to I got to give you some kudos. You found some quality Witcher music for us last week for the show. Here we are wrapping up season 3, last 3 episodes. Uh why don't you cue that music up and play it again for us so that we can get into wrapping the Witcher. They came after me with masterful deceit. Broke down my loot and they kicked in my teeth. While the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed 
Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty, oh. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty. Right, so episode six was this beautiful, over-the-top, action-packed, just everything hits the fan. It's crazy. I'm trying to watch my language now because, like, the little O'Dowd's on the show, and I, I want to swear so much more. This might this might be the PG version. You going to be okay if I swear a little bit? I Yeah, I'm going to be completely fine. It's not like you do it all the time. I don't. I never swear in front of you. I never, ever swear in front of my child. Liar. Totally the truth. Um, anyway, so we get this, we get this crazy episode six where we, we, we as we're, we're wrapping up the party in episode five, Geralt is, uh, has a knife to his throat as the, uh, the master of spies for, um, uh, what's the country? It starts with an R. Redania. 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 Redania has decided to launch an attack on the, the wizard conclave because they're all gathered here together. They are trying to take advantage of this opportunity as everybody tries to get their hands on Siri. This then leads to this all out crazy war as Nilfgaard also makes an attack led with Kahir and the queen of the elves. We learn that the true mastermind that has been pulling the strings with these portals and working with Nilf- Nilfgaard to get Siri was, um, I'm going to pronounce this guy's name wrong. It's like um, Vilforge or Vilfort or something like that. Um, uh, Dave, help me out here because I'm sure Tony. Uh, this is one of the complaints I'm about to lodge about this series in a few minutes. Oh, uh, what are you going to complain about? It's confusing all these names that sound the same. Vilgefortz, Vesemir, something else with a V, Rodania, Radavir. Uh, right, I'm going to stop you right there. Did you watch? It's Game a mythical world. Yeah, it's a mythical world. That doesn't mean you have to have all these words that sound the same. Again, did you watch Game of Thrones? I've watched most of it, yeah. Did you struggle following Game of Thrones? Not like this. They didn't have all these similar sounding names all the time. Uh, I don't know that they. I, I that's to me that is a a minor quibble as a, as opposed to uh, some of the things that happen later. First of all, we got to talk about this. So we have this all out battle. Crazy war go, goes on. Our war is breaking out. As Nilfgaard makes its, um, Geralt gets his ass handed to him at the end of episode six by Vilgefort. Vilgefort. That name, I, yeah, that one I remember. Char- Charlie Villanueva, the former center for the Yukon Huskies. I like. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Kahir, who starts by siding with Nilfgaard and leading the elves, he pulls a face turn. And then tries to help Siri escape because he's inexorably tied to her. Siri disappears in a portal because reasons. Uh, and she will get to her in her episode seven in a minute. Uh, just this crazy, intense battle that leads to the utter destruction of the witch's like tower, conclave, castle, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, would eventually cost the life of one of our regulars, as I predicted, she died. 
her name is eluding me because there's too many of them. Uh-huh. Uh, see uh-huh. what I did there? Tessaia? Just give it to say, yeah. Uh, the, the mother figure t- to our to our girl, uh, Yennefer. So, yes. Tessaia. Tessaia is her name. She calls down some unbelievable lightning magic using the using the tower next to their stronghold as a conduit. Uh, the magic is, is so much it takes a toll after she's had her heart crushed by the betrayal of her level, lover, Viljford. Vil, and I'm looking at these names. They're not that. I mean, there's Triss and Tissia. Like, we're just not man. There's not a lot of them, it sounds. They're not like. They're based off of, like, medieval times. Also, I lagged out a lot, and then it closed my screen, and then I had to join back into Skype. Oh, dear. Thank you for the update. There were no Steve utensils in medieval times, hence there are no utensils at medieval times. There is no Skype in medieval times. Um, but I loved this episode because just everything happens. Stregobor comes back as a face turn using fire magic and sacrifices himself. Like, wi- you know, like wizards turned on the conclave, then turned back towards the conclave. It was like watching an old WCW Nitro from like 2000 where you turn face and heel over the course of, of a three-hour episode like seven times. I thought This I, is your cue to join in, Tony or Dave. I thought episode six was fantastic. I mean, I loved episode six. I had straight fire, so much Tony great Tony is stuff. a lover of action. Yeah, I, this had plenty of that. And yeah, Geralt just getting his ass handed to him by Vilgefortz, who was sandbagging this whole time and apparently tried to warn Geralt he was sandbagging this whole time. And Geralt didn't care, and he ends up getting his leg and his back broken. So, um... Luckily, Triss saved him. But yeah, I mean, you know, the you got the destruction of Eratusa. You've got all this other stuff going on. Siri gets portaled away. Nobody knows what the hell's going on. Kahir begging Siri to kill him to make up to atone for his transgressions against her, which she opts not to. And, you know, yeah, six. I felt really good about things after episode six. Tony? I'm on the same page with you, Dave, because I know exactly where I'm going to be going once we get off this episode, because I really thought and was tricked into believing that this year was going to be different. And for six episodes, they had me fooled. Oh, you keep going? don't be that guy. These last two episodes. What about all the horrifying monsters in those series? It was great. Everything was great compared to the seventh and eighth episode of season three. It was boring. It was out of touch. There was no one knows what this story is. You can't remember anybody's name. Patrick, you can barely pronounce them and you're reading them. Come on. We better be done with this. Pronunciation is hard. I'll even gotta, I'm even going to swear so you don't have to, Patrick. We better be done with this shit. What about all the terrifying monsters? They were awesome. There were plenty of the awesome mo- the monsters. The monsters aren't, aren't the problem. That's for sure. So we're, we're about to get into this uh, a little bit because... Okay, here's here's the thing is Dave could attest that I messaged him and was like, we got episode six and then we got an hour of Siri wandering in the desert. And here's the thing. I argue if Siri wanders the desert earlier in the season and six is the finale, we're not we're not reacting the way that we are. Or make seven and eight could have been done together as of the last episode of the season. And you could have given us more of the dinner or the battle. Right. The uh, and we'll get we're gonna get to eight in a second because I the party, eight not the also dinner, the party, right? And I will agree, eight fell flat as well in, in the sense is that and here and I think it fell flat under the burden of what we were expecting. That's that's my that's my argument point because it ended like it's a fellowship of the ring ending at, at the end of that season, 
you know, where Aragorn, if you remember in, in Fellowship of the Ring, Aragorn takes up the sword and is like, we're not going to let Merry and Pippin fall victim to this and this. We're going to we're going to find them. And then they set out. And that's the end of the first movie. And you had to wait a whole year to find out if they were going to find Merry and Pippin. What they did that with Geralt and Yaskier being like, we're going to go find Ciri. The problem is we all know that Geralt, as we know it, isn't going to be the same dude. So I, I, I guess. We're, we're jumping ahead here. So in the aftermath of everything that falls apart, Siri gets lost in the desert and it's very last temptation of Christ. Like it's very much, she's alone, she's afraid, and she's being taunted within her own mind to take on fire magic. And we've been repeatedly told that fire magic is dangerous and destructive. And that's what's really going on here is it's this temptation. And she does give in and use fire magic to heal this unicorn that's kind of been following and guiding her. And it's a much slower paced episode than what we had from five and six, like five and six really were, were so well done and were so unique and creative that yes, that slowdown hurt the show. I will agree. Like the pacing hurt. Uh, and then we get the, what Tony would describe as an aftermath episode. Where we're really just setting up the next season where Sirius found she's taken captive by what are clearly some brigands. We have a fake Siri that has shown up in Nilfgaard because we have the return of that blonde girl who was going crazy town in about episode three or so that Geralt found and rescued. She's now still posing as Siri. Not yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, you don't know Kahir's status. You don't know the status of you know the wizards and witches or whatever you want to call them because their leadership is gone. One is a betrayer, and the matriarch, Tissia, has died. She committed suicide because she couldn't live with the ramifications of both Vilforge's betrayal and her, Vilfort's betrayal, and her own decision to use that magic fuck you, Dave. Um, cover your ears. Earmuffs. Earmuffs, little low down. Earmuffs. Um, and so it's just, it's it's one of those things. They, they, they set the stage. And, and here's the thing is, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not done with this series. I'm not like I'm still in. So, you know, maybe we have to have a hard heart to heart to heart on whether we keep the show. Cause I don't want Tony to hate watch it. I always should be mad at it. Um, I, he's saying he's not watching it into, into nothing. Cause he got six episodes of, of good and two episodes that had to tell story and he didn't like where they told it or how they told it. And it made him angry. Not going to let the witcher hurt me anymore. <laughs> I don't understand how it hurts you that bad other than you just had too high of expectations. It's like, like I get being a- angry about it because well, I get, I think episode what's eight. His name's, what's his name's gone to Henry Cavill's not going to be back. So what, what's that going to be like? I, I basically, I think what we're going to see, and this is, this is where I, I kind of want to do the first episode just cause I want to listen to you two hate on it when they just so show Yaskier riding in a horse next to our good friend liam hemsworth as the witcher instead of henry cavill because i think that's what we're getting like that's what i think we're getting I think he is a Geralt of rivia and he has just taken over the role that's that's my theory that is my new standing theory when it comes Penny, that's you, not you can go, go that's ahead not, that's not becky oh sure it is that is becky now it's exactly what they're gonna do one thousand percent right and unfortunately for sarah chalk her career was unfortunately for sarah chalk her career was fine and really, was Becky that important to Roseanne? Like, was she really? 
really. was just an example. It was just an example. I know. No, I'm just saying. It's not like we brought in Cousin Oliver. She's a little. She's pretty important to the the latest run that they had. Um. <laughs> so, Dave, I, do you need a hug? No, I think like like you guys are saying, like an hour of Siri wandering through the desert, uh, in the desert of her own mind, really. Somebody, and I mean, the thing is like, okay, who's pulling the strings behind this illusion? You know, now we don't know that somebody was manipulating her from the outside and making her think all this stuff. Whoever Falka is, which is now Siri at the end of this whole thing. Um, they didn't really answer that, but yeah, I think eight, just seven and eight, just to me felt like they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the story that they really want to tell and they're not pushing this forward. And I think like you're saying, Pat, eight felt like. They're trying to do a cliffhanger that no one cares about because they they don't acknowledge the elephant in the room, which is like you're saying, we all know Henry Cavill's not coming back. And I agree with you guys. I think either one of two things happens. Either they just come back, Liam Hemsworth is Geralt, and they're just going to say, accept it. You'll get nothing and like it. Accept it. This is the way it is. Or that... This is the way. Or Yeah, yeah that's right. Or the only other thing I could think of is that counterfeit witcher potion that he Geralt makes at the end of this episode which he admits this is not Vesemir's potion and it's got some different elements maybe that has an after effect and changes his appearance at the beginning of the season and they blame it on that and that might provide some sort of way that you could say okay maybe I'll, I'll I look if we went through a whole season of lock and key season three which was god awful then I'm at least willing to see what happens here but See, that's what happens when you do that kind of stuff. You you open yourself up for more torture because you keep pushing a line further back, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, I won't go that deep this time. And then the next time, and the next time, and until you know it, you're like six fucking feet deep watching Lock and Key season 34. <laughs> you're going to go drive in this rain? Have fun, babe. Okay. <laughs> Be careful. Little O'Dowd, uh, I think... Sorry, I think Johnny, casual, Johnny... casual F-bomb there, my bad. Just a casual little, little, little doubt. I feel like uh, I feel like Tony needs something comforting. Can you show him like one of your stuffies that would maybe make him feel better? I don't know. Like if you've got any Star Wars themed stuffies, maybe that'll that'll help him. Uh, anything like that. Oh, what's he got? What's he got? Oh, oh, he brought you a ping. He brought you a ping. A lovely penguin. You feel better, uh, Tony? I, I mean, I feel I feel better. Look at those big eyes. It's delightful. Very nice choice. Excellent choice. Very, All right. very cathartic. So, Thank you. Okay, so here here are some of the other overarching questions that that are that are in at the end of the Witcher season uh, season three as we head in. First of all, we are reintroduced to a character that was uh, that we met earlier in the season when Siri was wandering about the city on her own as that little band of young brigands. Uh, that that rescues her, uh, the woman who I can't remember what she called her, like little problem or something like that. The same lady um, that stole from her at the fight. Right, stole from her early. Like she's the one who came back, but like she calls Siri something like trouble or something like that. Like it's some deal like that. Uh, so is Siri going to take up with them? I you know I would assume for the beginning of of season four. Does does um Kahir? What happens with Kahir? Like. Because it's so interesting because he came into this season kind of late and was lost, then refound a purpose, and now is lost again. It actually feels like he just kind of went around into a different circle and is now, where, what is he? He's, he's claimed loyalty to Siri. Is, is that real? What's going to happen? Um, what does the fake Siri mean? There were a lot of questions left at the end of this episode. You know, Siri, or Yennefer, is she going to take over the, the witches and wizards? Is she going to lead them? 
in their revenge against Villageforce. Can Jenner, Yennefer lead them? That's an even bigger question. She's not exactly sure she the can. leader type, but... She's not, but she's also grown quite a bit. I would say of all the characters this season, that group, like Yennefer, her growth from where she was at the end, at the end of season two, beginning of season three to where she is now, like we were prepped with the, she's being prepped for this moment. Like, she was pretty humble about eating a lot of crow at a bunch of different points throughout this right. season as well. Like she knew, she knew what she had to do, you know, like she explained to Siri when she was trying to get her to stay there, you know, you, you just kind of have to find that part of yourself that's able to take this and get through it. And she was the one who healed Geralt. He wasn't going to heal unless she, she got involved. Right. Uh, you have Fringilla back in uh, Nilfgaard, looks like playing around with folks' lives. We have Prince Radovid as the king. Uh, like, there's just so much that, that this is why I, I haven't given up on this series. I, I enjoyed season, and I was okay with the finale. I think the only misstep for me was the timing and placement of Siri Lost in the Desert. I, That's I, the only complaint I had. I like. And I think Tony would probably agree with this, but I like season three better than season two. I didn't like how it ended, but uh, I thought overall it was a, it was a better constructed season, um, better storytelling. I was more engaged in, in, a, and I like season two. I know Tony didn't, but you and I, Pat, we like season two, but I still think this season, uh, there are a lot of turns. There are places where it was more tight than season two was. Uh, the ending notwithstanding and, and you know, my bitching about how can we just get some different sounding names so I can tell the difference between a person and a place. That would be nice. But other than that, it was a solid season. It just it's like the elephants in the room and you guys just didn't even acknowledge the existence of any of it. But OK, well, that's the thing. Three is better than two. Definitely. Right. The, the, the last couple episodes or the finish to that regardless. But here's the thing. I mean, it's not, it's, we got the B Hemsworth coming in. It's not even the A Hemsworth. It's oh, the C Hemsworth. This guy, he's not like, a bad actor. He's like a scrawny dude. I, I, I don't know. I can't help man. I, I wish I could. I, I just, I don't know how. You know, what I, can, you know what can help him, right? Steroids. Steroids. Yeah. I mean, look what Mickey Rourke did. When he, what you got there? Show that to him. That'll make him feel better too. Bring that up close to the key. Look, I, there's Grogu sipping not, cocoa. It's not. Grogu sipping cocoa. It's the Witcher needs to be better. That's the problem. I thought it was better. It just wasn't better enough for you, apparently. I think that's appropriate uh, a way of putting it. That's the title of this episode, Not Better Enough. All right. That's a good 30 minutes into the program of talking about The Witcher. We're going to take a quick break and talk about a sparse little trailer park uh, when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network. On thechairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds, Chairshot Radio Network, chairshot.com. We'll remind you to always use your head. Um, I'm sorry, Dave. We're going to play that beautiful banjo for what I would call 
what I would describe is just a, a straight up sparse um, sparse trailer park. It's no PC Tony trailer park, that's for sure. It's true. Welcome into the trailer park. PC Tony does one day of one day of trailers, and suddenly he's the god of making trailer park. Okay, got you. Um, thank you. Yeah, I thanked you last week. I did. I thanked you. Um, <laughs> thank you. I thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, I was sarcasm. No, but thank you. That. No, thank you. No, no. Thank, thank, thank you. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. All right. As we get into the, let's get into this trailer park. Okay. All right. So I had some trouble with the trailer park today. I, I did include one suggested trailer by Tony because it's a movie we didn't really talk about uh, when the trailers hit. It's actually out in theaters now. Uh, even, okay, I want to share this with you. T- Dave, Tony didn't go see the Blue Beetle. When you went and saw the Blue Beetle, the trailers that I got in front of the Blue Beetle were like movies that were already out. Like, I didn't get a lot of, like, this movie's coming soon. Like, we are in the dog days of summer. The trail I don't know what you guys had, but the trailers we had were, it was completely schizophrenic. Because it's, like, starting off with all kids' movies. And then in the middle of all no. this stuff, they switch it to The Nun 2. And, and it's, like, no, everybody no, in the theater had- is, like, I told my wife, I said, and my wife jumps at anything. They had this big jump scared. All the theaters, like, positioned to think, oh, all these animated things. And then The Nun 2 comes out of nowhere. And I'm, like the hell are these guys doing with the previews we had we had the troll the new the, the third trolls movie was one of the trailers and i was like but why though uh so the little o'dowd and i have this game that we play when we go to the movie uh trailer comes out little o'dowd goes thumbs up or thumbs down a lot of thumbs down that determines the, the that determines whether or not we might see the movie so the one trailer i did get that oh you gotta mute if you're gonna eat Little O'Dowd breaking the cardinal rule of podcasting. Got a mute. Well, he's filling in for Ray today, so I mean, it's kind of like he gets one a show. That's true. That's true. Ray always is crinkling his. uh, He's got cookies, by the way. I'm really jealous. He's getting chocolate chip cookies. Bob sitting here podcasting, stuffing his face. Stupid Hobbit. Anyway, all right. um, So let's get into our first trailer. Though I did get a trailer for Dune and Part Two, and I'm like Little O'Dowd thumbs down. I was like, dude, I'm going to see that on my own. I don't need you because uh, that movie looks dope. Can't wait to see part two. I get why the little doubt is not interested. All right. So this first film that I picked is a horror comedy called Shaky Shivers. It's an independent film. And let me tell you why I picked it. I picked it purely based on when they showed the title card and it said directed by, I can't even remember the guy's name, that oh, guy oh, from Fast and Furious. A- Asian guy Gary. from Fast and Furious. I think I died with that. I was like, okay. I'm June Sung? Yes. That's who it was. June Sung. So it's a pretty basic horror comedy. There's these two young women who are camp counselors. One of them is bitten by a werewolf and they're trying to, her best friend is trying to cure the werewolf virus. 
I think it looks pretty funny. I don't think it looks like a movie I'll go see anywhere other than a streaming service. But uh, it's, that's kind of been a thing lately with uh, like werewolves in general. I've seen a lot of werewolf horror comedy out there. There was, um, oh gosh, the, the movie's going to elude me, but it, um, it's a, you can watch it on streaming now. But it was like this small town, like where there was like somebody within the small town that's a werewolf, and they're like all trapped in this house together, and like nobody wants to out themselves. And it 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 was hilarious. This this looks cute. It looks kind of funny. I have no illusion that anybody else on this call is going to be watching this film. I mean, Tony looks like he swallowed a goldfish live thinking I, about. I, it. So I can't imagine that he's. It's an interesting take on the story. Right. Like I watched the trailer. It had a little bit of redeemability the way they were telling it. Um, obviously, I'm probably not going to watch this no matter where it is. But is it too? Is werewolves it just, within, it, by the way, that was. Is, the, it, uh, is it too right on the nose to like have a werewolf movie like in or around London and use Warren Zevon for your for your trailer? I mean, uh, that'd be too perfect. Oh, it would be a little. See what you did there. Uh this is uh, what I would call it. This is what I would call an O'Dowd special for sure. This trailer, this is. Oh yeah, it's an O'Dowd. Special. O'Dowd and uh, yeah, this is from the uh, law firm of O'Dowd, O'Dowd and Aesop. Yeah, uh, there there it's were. Not an, it's not an A twenty four. It's not an A twenty four feature though, so he they, won't watch it. They did have elements of the trailer that felt a little American Werewolf in London esque. You know, like the talking to yep. the, the deceased friend and saying, "I don't look very good," and I know all that. So that part I'm all in on. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I mean, maybe it's something I'll check out one day. I'm kind of in Tony's camp. I'm not going to, or even your camp, to be honest. Like, I'm not going to search it out, but right. okay, sure. Can I go. tell you what? I, it, it was, if it's possible to have a slow trailer, this was it. Like, the, the first half of the trailer was kind of slow. A little bit of a slow burn. So that may have hurt it uh, a little uh, a little bit as well. But yeah, it, uh, it just struck me as funny. It, it looks like, you know, these are two... But like teenage to early college age women that are the protagonists, they're besties, they're ride or dies. They're going to try to get through it uh, and we'll see what happens. And I think that's the other thing that's interesting to me is maybe this is a different perspective or take on the werewolf genre. Because nine times out of 10, when we're looking at werewolves and somebody who's been bit and is having to deal with it, they're men. It's a dude who's been bit and doesn't know how to wrestle with it or what. And, you know, and that sort of metaphor and, and werewolf films are all about the metaphor, uh, whether it be, you know, masculinity, sexuality, all of that sort of stuff, primal, whatever. So yeah. we'll have to see. Even the lore, you know, the hairy handed gent who ran amok in Kent. Wow. You're just really digging into the, the reservoirs today, man. Digging deep. D- call them deep cuts today, uh, I, Dave. I just, I really just was going there so we could plug musical chairs this week. Chair Shot Radio Network. It is. We uh, both kind of. We went really similar for for musical chairs this week. This Tomorrow week, by the way. What's the genre? Don't give away the band. Eighties, eighties, um, air metal. Prog. No, it's more like synth prog. They're both Flute. bands, you know, and are Flute. uber flute metal. Like, flute metal. No, flute they're, metal. They're There's only no one band Jethro that qualifies Tull. for flute metal. We'd like to thank Jethro Tull for not being nominated this year. <laughs> yes, Metallica, always a winner. All right, let's move on to our next trailer this is a drama that i shared with the group earlier in the week because i found a religion anytime i see the word i'm a sucker for based on a true story trailers like yeah i think you guys know this by now you've worked with me long enough if i see something that's like based on a true story i'm like oh i'm going to share this and in this one we've got a million miles away which is a movie starring michael pena in kind of a more dramatic role as 
a a working class Latin American uh, man who is trying to join the space program in NASA. And basically the trailer is just him getting rejected over and over and over and over again. But I thought it was a good I like I thought it was a good trailer. It looks like it's gonna be a heartwarming flick. Uh, you know, he's in a spacesuit, so it seems pretty clear to me that he makes it. I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know anything about the story, but the trailer was very compelling to me. Uh, very much something. And I think part of it is because it's a very different way that I've seen Michael Pena, because I'm used to seeing Michael Pena in his roles in Ant-Man, for example. Uh, and this wasn't that. And so, I don't know. I was intrigued. I'm very interested in this film. Uh, Dave, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, even if it's not something that you're going to light up to see, Michael Pena in kind of a little bit more of a dramatic slash serious role. What did you think? Yeah, I, this is um, <clears throat> this one has my definite interest. I don't know a whole lot about him either, but like you're saying, Michael Pena, you know, you're used to seeing him in Ant Man or, or you know, being obsessed with yoga pants and chips and things like that. But uh, this is a much more. Yeah, see, I, I left the other part of that movie out, Tony, because of certain little people on the podcast. But uh, it's uh, I. Yeah, like you're saying, Pat, I think I think this is one where seeing him in a more serious role, perseverance, migrant farm worker goes to the stars. I mean, that's that's as unlikely as as, you know, a hurricane hitting California. So there you go. I'm 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 in on it. This one looks like one I would definitely cons- more consider checking out than than the previous one. But yeah, I, I like this trailer a lot. This looks fun. He, he had me sold on on him being a serious enough actor or being able to be taken serious in this type of role when was it his wife or his girlfriend he was trying to tell her about it and she just kept laughing yeah he didn't break he kind of was like i've i've been through this before i've i've gotten this kind of scrutiny against me people have laughed at me for wanting to do this but you know he just held his face and was like no yeah this is and she was like oh my god you really want to do this i feel like the part from him wanting to do it, preparing to do it and getting rejected so many times is probably like maybe the first 15 minutes of the movie. And I think the rest of it is him training and go getting closer and closer to the journey because it seems like they kind of gave that all away already. Right. How much more can you tell in that part? You, like you said, we already know he gets in the suit and is blasting off to go to outer space, but this looks really good. I think this is going to get good reviews. I mean, this could, could it be an Oscar nominated thing? You know, I mean, the representation of the hardworking um, Latin American people uh, of the United States in this film, I think, is a is a great thing that there's representation here now for another group of people that haven't had it, you know, at least in a b- bigger, larger atmosphere. You know, look at all the different things we've had from The Little Mermaid to things like this now, which really everybody gets to see that. It doesn't matter what color you are. You can you can do whatever you want. You just got to put some effort into it. Yeah, actually, I think this looks like an excellent, excellent movie. Uh, you know, whether it's Oscar worthy or not, we'll have to see. It's always, you know, the nomination process being so different now. Um, it's not outside the realm of possibility if, if it does well uh, and is critically well received because it's kind of easier to get nominated for an Oscar now with the with the process. So which I, I actually like because I do yeah. think representation is important. And I think that a lot of quality films get get left behind for movies nobody ever watches. I, and so I'd lean more towards the NBA Hall of Fame as opposed to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right. 
So this next trailer, uh, little doubt, I hope you're finished with your snacks because I'm going to ask your opinion on this one. This is a show that we've been waiting on. Uh, we got a brief teaser trailer, like 30-second teaser trailer of the upcoming Disney Plus, Percy Jackson and the Olympians series on uh, Disney Plus. This series doesn't really, it, the, the, the trailer doesn't tell you anything. It just gives you a better look at the kids playing Percy Jackson and Annabeth and Grover, those characters. Uh, Grover the fawn, you get to see his legs. We get to see Adam Copeland, a.k.a. Edge, uh, has a role in this somehow. We don't know who, I'm assuming he's a god, uh, but we don't. No, like I haven't looked to see if I haven't read the casting. I just saw him. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. You think you Did know him. Steal? You think you know him, Tony, but you don't. He took that sword from Seamus or not Seamus from McIntyre with him, didn't he? They're like, he's like, they're like, he's so like, I he, got my own sword. Don't worry about it. Well, hey, and if he's got that sword, he could be Poseidon. Okay. Like that's the thing is, and Poseidon is Percy Jackson's father in the, the novels. So I'm, cool. I'm interested in where it goes. But before we get into that, little O'Dowd. Tell us why you enjoy Percy Jackson so much. What is it about those books that, that's got you hyped for the series? Well, I don't have snacks to eat during it. So that means it keeps your attention. So yes. but what, what is it about the show? Like, what makes it fun for you? Why do you, why do you like it? Well, I like books because there's good storytelling and it's dramatic and epic. So I hope that the series is the same. It oh, should be. And, yeah, for the record, Edge is actually playing Ares, the god of war. And I, I kind of love that for him. If you've ever read the books, that's that's good casting. So that could be fun. But um, cool. So, Dave, Tony, uh, I know we didn't get a whole lot out of this trailer. December 20th. I'm very excited to watch this with my son. What, did, what were your thoughts on the brief snippet of what we saw? And um are either of you even very familiar with the series like have you read the books do you know anything about them i am not very very familiar at all um it looks pretty cool i can get the genre and and you know i can understand why it it draws a wider range of audience um it looks cool i just i don't think i could get really appreciate it without being into the books as well though it seems pretty pretty close to lore i i was gonna ask is this related to the earlier movie at all no, no, this is a uh, telling. reboot. It's a complete it's a, reboot. It's a reboot. It, but here's the thing about this reboot that I that I actually like better than the movie. One, the characters are closer in age to the characters they are in the book. In in the movie, they they aged them up. They're much they're they're much older. They're like teenagers. Percy this is, is um, like this is a series, not a movie, right? Right. Yes. The Percy Jackson, Percy Jackson, and the Olympians. Those, uh, they're and I don't know if. The first season is just The Lightning Thief, which is the first book, or if it's multiple books connected, because uh, that Percy Jackson and the Olympians is a five book series. And then there is a follow up series to that that is, um, uh, I'm going to forget the name. There's Trials of Apollo, is the last one. And I can't remember. Little O'Dowd, do you remember the middle series? It goes Percy Jackson and the Olympians, there's Trials of Apollo, and there's a third one. And I'm can't, I can't remember. Percy Jackson, the falafel shuffle. No, that is not it. Because Percy Jackson is only the main character in the first series. And then they have a second character that is the main character with Roman gods in the second one. And in the third I, one. I don't remember it, but I'm near where all of our books are, so I can just look very quickly. If you want to take a quick look, I'm going to talk to them a little bit more about this. This is 
This is like an old school reference check here. This is like a podcasting in the 1980s. Hold on. We're going to, we're not going to Google. We're going to Encyclopedia Britannica this right here. He's going to, he's going to effort it. This feels good. This feels good. This feels nostalgic. I like it. But yeah. And so the, the story behind Percy Jackson is that Percy Jackson is the son of Poseidon and demigods exist. So gods, like ancient gods of all these different religions, whether it's Egyptian lore, a Greek mythology, Roman mythology, they are all real and exist in our world. We just don't know that they exist. And they gain power based on mem- our memory of them and how much we talk about them and follow them. So, if, you know, the Greek gods we talk about all the time, the less we would talk about them, though, the more, the less powerful they become, the more they sort of fade from memory. But these gods can still walk amongst the earth and do so. And will fall in love with mortals and have children. And Percy Jackson is a son of Poseidon. And these teenagers are drawn... Barb. Barb. Poseidon and Barb. Kind of. Basically, yeah. What's the The second second, The Heroes of Olympus. Heroes of Olympus, which, again, it follows a different set of characters. But, yeah, so... Sally, by the way. It follows, uh, like, Percy... And then a different Roman group. Right. Like it follows Percy's group and then a different group with new characters. And that that's it for the second series. And so these kids, these kids are uh, pursued by monsters, like real mythological monsters when they're out in the real world. And they have to make their way to this camp called Camp Half-Blood, which is run by... Uh, Dionysus, the god of wine, and and um, uh, and he has this weird axe to grind with Percy. Uh, and, and there is a centaur named Chiron who is their mentor for everything. What uh, is unfortunate is that Zeus, the god Zeus, is played by Lance Reddick, who sadly passed away. So there are going to be some recasting happening there through no uh, no fault of their own. But the books maybe are really get, really good. Maybe we get a Hemsworth for that one too. Oh, geez, stop. Um, but the whole thing the, the whole thing about this series is it's a really, really good series. It's a great, a great series of books. And it follows Percy Jackson from a young 12 to 13-year-old to being a 17, 18-year-old by the time it's all said. It's very Harry Potter and, and that sort of thing. And he is special because there are very few children of Zeus, Hades, or Poseidon, the kind of the original three gods. And so he's special. And... There's a lot that sort of goes into that and surrounds. Yeah, so, they they made an oath to never like have kids, and so for them to have a child is a big big deal. On a scale of one to ten, little O'Dowd, how hyped are you for this series? Uh, nine. You're at a nine, so he's ready to go. He's ready to check it out, and I think it's going to hit him pretty well because he'll be right at that target audience, and he's read every book by Rick Reardon that follows these characters. So good, good stuff. Our last trailer, we didn't talk. I don't remember talking about this when the trailer first hit. And so I put it on. uh, And if we did, uh, I guess, sorry, everybody, but uh, I don't think we did. We're going to talk about the movie strays, which actually came out this past weekend. Uh, I don't know how it did. I haven't seen the box office reports yet, but Uh, basically land of like a million good movies coming out at the same time too. Right. Um, But Dogs, I think Milo and Otis, but really crass and gross and messed up. 
what's the one where they um journey like uh, they go it's one of the original ones where they're the pets and it's like the adventure or the journey or something the I oh can't um homeward bound yeah homeward bound um but yeah it's all those movies but super adult right like i mean right. i i was scrolling through through x whatever the fuck whatever the fudge you want to call it and i like look in and I see, like, I must have caught a tweet with subtitles on it. And, like, the dog, like, got bleeped out and was talking about something to the other dog. And I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to watch this. And I did. And I'm like, all right. They've never really put this spin to this effect, right? Like, they're tripping on hallucinogens and going through universes. And dogs have human hands. And dogs are getting bullied. And it's even better because it's Will Ferrell playing the naive dog that just basically is going to, you know per happenstance luck will make it home you know he thinks everybody's right. his friend it's it's like it's almost like elf for dogs with a little more adult yeah very much it's it's definitely one of those things that i will watch late at night when my child is streaming streaming all-star right here we will all watch oh, this absolutely at some point. um 8.3 million domestically that's not good yeah but in the land of barbie and oppenheimer which are still going strong you got what else is out there is elemental still in theaters blue, doing blue stuff? beetle which we'll talk about in a bit blue beetle just came out teenage mutant ninja turtles you have the gran turismo movie the week before that so there's a lot of good stuff out right yeah, now this this i agree with you completely this is definitely one that as soon as it hits streaming i'll be watching it because yeah your guys descriptions homeward bound milo and o- otis with f-bombs and some uh adult content is exactly what this thing is but for those of us who are dog owners there's a lot of like you can look at this and say yeah, i think my dog has probably thought that a few times about me or other things so um it looks really will funny. Ferrell and, will ferrell and jamie fox i mean it's hard to you know two comedic geniuses yeah here's the thing is i think i think a lot of people are waiting for streaming because it only made like like it had a 46 million dollar budget and it only did like dave said eight so uh we'll see um yeah the movie like the movie looks funny it looks like like i said it looks like something i will watch uh when the little odot is but uh you know it's got a strong voice cast you can't you can't deny that cast Uh, i think it's a bunch of funny funny people i think that it's just it's it's a tough time for movies in late august late august is always a tough time to release a film so um yeah i think that's what we got for this week's trailer park we're going to head on out of here and go into the lone news around the Nerdosphere article that I have, which I don't even know that we need to take a lot of time on this, but we have a lawyer on the show, and I really just wanted to get his take. Uh, yes. Who's the teacher from South Park? Mr. Garrison. Yeah. Oh, no. the No, who's the principal? Mr. Ma- principal Mackey. No, Mr. Mackey's the guidance counselor, okay? Okay, yes. There you go. Because Mr. Mackey could sum this. this <laughs> AI is bad, okay? Judge confirms. So I shared this because I can't believe this is happening, guys. And it's that's what's nuts. Judge confirms AI, AI are not human. Okay, <laughs> Dave, why did this lawsuit happen? Like, why would this need to be discussed in court? That a story or something generated or art generated by an AI would not be eligible for copyright? Like, why, Dave? I need to know why. Other than other than somebody trying to maybe say that I was the one who gave the AI the idea and then the AI took it and ran with it and therefore it's actually mine and I want to copyright that maybe if you could extrapolate it that far out I I, I can't understand I mean 
you know, we've had weird stuff happening, you know, birds or bees and, and things like that in California law lately. But this is like, I'm not sure what the hell they were doing other than somebody's going to try. Hey, look, if there's money to be made, if AI stumbles upon something that's actually people look at and say, hey, wow, that's really good. And, you know, nine out of 10 times, whatever AI is coming up with is um, suspect, to say the least. Then if there's one thing out there that's going to make somebody money, then somebody wants to capitalize on it. And this felt like I. Yeah, but I mean, there it's like Ted, too. Is, is Ted is Ted a human or is he a toy? You know, and that whole thing. And now you've got a similar sort of. Yeah, I, I, I got nothing for you, man. <laughs> really? Well, what's really, really interesting is we're going to be seeing okay. some science fiction films coming out that are going to tackle this topic as well. And and movies that look really, really good, like this whole. I'm I'm the name of it's eluding me, but the one where like the the robots are they're like sentient and there's question as to whether or not they're they they are entitled to the same rights as people and there's a child I can't remember what's called the I know creator or something like that. On, didn't we have it on a trailer park? We had that trailer on a while ago. Yeah, right? something the name like of that. I remember it was very but, uh, it's very controversial, right? I mean, right. It's the land of the 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 that thin gray line. I want to say it's the. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, yeah, it's the creator. It's called the creator, and it's uh, talks play. It takes place in a future impacted by a war between humans and artificial intelligence, and, and like what that all means and what that could mean. For yeah, us. Like the like the, like, uh, the line from the line from the judge here that I'm reading is uh, reaffirm the sentiment with a ruling stating, "quote Human authorship is a bedrock requirement." End quote for anything seeking a copyright. So it's like. It does feel like humans are are the ones saying, hey, hey, I I fed the AI this information, therefore I should be able to get a copyright on what it created. But the judge is kind of saying, that's fine and great, but anything created by an AI, you can't copyright because they don't qualify as a human and only humans can get copyrights. And yeah, it's it's you're going to get that line drawn in the sand between what is, you know, what if you tell like. Chat GPT comes out with this great story, but Aesop is the one who fed the idea into it and then it created the story. So can you trademark what it came up with for saying this was my idea in the first place? Everything that this thing created was based off my idea. Therefore, I want to copyright it. Um, them saying, no, <laughs> you didn't have anything to do with this other than giving it the parameters of something it came up with. You can't copyright that. So I right. see well, where that could be a gray area. It's almost like commissioning a painting of something. And finding an artist and saying, "This is what I want. I want it to. I want it to be this. This is how big I want it to be. This is how the style I want it to be. This is the color I want you to use. This is in the end. This is what I want people to see. And I'm trusting you to bring that vision to light. And then going around and saying, "I painted that." That's a very yeah, good comparison. I, it's a good. It's a good way to describe it. Um, I think that's a, that's apropos. So anyway, I I feel like this lands in the area of water is wet, but I did want to share because it's just, i know crazy right i did want to share because it is just one of those things like it seems like common sense and yet we are a very litigious society we are going to we are going to take things to court we took this to court so we are going to head into our last commercial break we are moving right along we are going to talk all things blue beetle in the second part of this and the little o'dowd is going to talk a little bit about some of the other things he did this weekend so you are listening to bandwagon nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. 
Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds, ChairShot Radio Network, ChairShot.com. Reminding you to always use your head, like, follow, subscribe on all of your podcasting platforms. Make sure that you keep up with everything we do. And of course, if you love what we do, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and invest in a chair shot shirt. Tons of awesome designs out there, including one for the show. Gentlemen, this past weekend, do that. Know, do what? Oh, do everything I told you, you to do? Said. Yeah, that's right. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Get a chair shot shirt. $19.99. Soft style. A few dollars more. Great deal. Yeah. But this past weekend... The little O'Dowd and I had what I would what I would classify as a great Saturday. So this past Saturday in Springfield, Massachusetts, there was what is uh, well, let's see if I can still get the title. Uh, Brick Convention is, is what is what they call themselves. Simply stated, calling themselves the Brick Convention, and it was a Lego convention at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield. There were four sessions of opportunities for Lego enthusiasts to head on to an open floor where they had local, mostly local based out of New England, Lego community building groups. They had this artist whose name is going to elude me, who's put together some just, just amazing builds, things for people to see. There were vendors all over the place. There was uh, someone from Lego Masters there that was doing signings. And it was just all Lego all the time. And I thought it would be fun to just kind of let the little O'Dowd, who is a Lego enthusiast, just talk a little bit about his experience, what he really liked. And what what did you end up? You, you did a little shopping. You did a little shopping. We tried to do some shopping for Tony. You didn't know this. Tried to do some shopping for Tony, uh, but couldn't find. You know what I could have found for you, dude? A, uh, a $3,000 out of print Lego set that was like this giant like walker with troopers and all that stuff my my credit card balance couldn't afford it. dan might have it actually here's what i here little low down this is what i need this is what i have to build still i want to help you <laughs> so i see yeah there's some batman there's some uh it looks like captain rex was in there maybe commander there's, cody yeah you got uh star lord mask you got venom carnage um you got a couple Star Wars. You got the DeLorean. You got Patrick O'Dowd's favorite, the goat boat. I didn't see that. That was there. You done? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. Was that bad? The little O'Dowd. No, not. little O'Dowd. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you did at BrickCon in spring? Well, uh, I looked at Lego builds, such as there were a lot of flowers. Yeah, a lot of floor arrangements. What else was kind of primarily showing up around us with some of those artists in their various builds? Uh, cities. Lots of cities. Any particular, like, locales? Anything famous? Maybe for movies? I don't remember. You don't remember all of the Star Wars builds that we checked out? Oh, yeah, there were a like lot of we, we saw all kinds. Of, there, so there was one guy who, uh, and again, I feel terrible because I'm going to forget his name, but he built homes. Star Wars characters based on mm. Frank Lloyd Wright style architecture. Oh yeah, and, and there's the one that my dad just thought was a landing pad. Then I told told him that that it's not just that landing pad; it's all of that. 
Yeah, it was an entire building. It was for Commander Krennic. So it had the command, Commander Krennic ship from Rogue One. He built that. And then this Frank Lloyd Wright-style architecture house, all out of Lego. So uh, there was one uh, most Eisley spaceport thing that was like the entire spaceport was built. I shared a bunch of portraits and portrait art, some famous comic book covers, like one of the most famous Magneto covers of all time, where he's like holding the fist and there's power glowing around it and he's all illuminated. It was quite amazing. Uh, little O'Dowd, you also participated in some builds, right? You helped build a mural. Uh, of a book cover from a book. Right. So uh, an and author, they I were got, basically doing a book. Oh, go ahead. Um, they were doing a mosaic of the book cover and you had, and uh, kids could like build a tile and then add it on. So it's right. kind of and like then, a collaborative thing. Everybody who, who participated kind of helped build it. Uh-huh. Nice. And you did do a little shopping. So Yeah, what did what, you get? What is your passion for what do you like to look for when you look for buying Lego stuff? First of all, I want to look for stuff that are in like maybe a haunted mansion Lego set. I would look for that because my passions from other things that have been translated into Lego. For example, yep. Clone Wars, like clones. So you uh, look for a lot of clones, yep. And uh, I'd look for other characters that are more distinct that I like. For example, an Iron Man might be something that I'd look for, or even better, a Spider-Man. And so there were a lot of vendors that were selling around there. And you, so when you look for stuff, you tend to look for minifigs, correct? Like you, you like to get minifigs. And specifically, what minifigs do you look for? Usually, I look, usually I look a lot for uh, clones. For for clone troopers, clone troopers is the little O'Dowd's preferred. So what did you? So what did you end up buying? Like you looked over all this stuff. You 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 purchased three. So here's the thing: these things are not cheap. We spent fifty. They are expensive. We've we spent, spent fifty dollars on four dollars. Fifty four dollars on three minifigs. What were they? I want to go get them. Yes, go right, get them. Show them to me. Go. He's going to go get them. them. So here was the thing that was kind of cool about those vendors. So these vendors, which um, obviously sell out of print, out of circulation, Lego sets, at astronomical prices. As Tony, Tony likes to build the Lego head busts that you can get at like Target I, and all of that. Can but, I give a little um, uh, a timeline on our conversation yesterday? So I had forgotten you were going to do this. And I teed off at eight in the morning yesterday. So during the round, I reminded, because Patrick is like sending pictures, we're here, we're getting ready to go. And I'm like, oh, that's right. And we talked about this too. So like on the golf course, I have to stop and grab my phone and message Patrick. By the way, if you see any of these three heads, uh, you know, let me know. And and he looked and he said he couldn't found them, but it was really fun. I'm sitting there on the course. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking care of business. Just relax right now. <laughs> so I appreciate you looking. Right. And so one of, there, there were two types of minifigs that you get. So you would catch, like the vendors would have like minifigs that aren't in circulation anymore, but are made by Lego. And then you would be able to purchase custom minifigs. And so little we'll doubt. with the regular minifigs that we got. All right. Yeah. So little doubt, who is your favorite? So you talk about the Haunted Mansion, but out of your like Disney character, who are your favorite Disney characters of all time? Chip and Dale. And what did you come up with at 
the brick cog. Chip and Dale. Nice. Dale's a little bit closer to the camera so they can see that. So there's Chip. Nicely done. There's Dale. Lightly colored with that big red nose. Only two Chip and Dale minifigs we saw in the whole floor. And he got them. So win and number one. And there were one. two Chips. So. Yes. Only one Dale, though. So Way he scored go. both Chip and Dale. Good on him. And then second. It was a must buy. It was, yes. Must buy. No question. Hold what on, was the other thing, though? Hold on. Three, oh. three dings for the little Odell must buy. Right? There you go. Yeah. And your second purchaser was what? A custom clone. Custom clone trooper. Bring him up close. So oh, very It's kind of cool. hard. To, yeah. So the dogs? the dogs are in. The dogs like it. So it's a camo. It's kind of a camo looking clone. Yeah. It's got like added clothing that's been put on there. It's been painted differently. Uh, and we actually, we actually scout, we looked at it and we waited, kind of wandered around the floor a little bit just to see if there wasn't something else. Cause we kind of had a spending limit uh, before we came back and picked up that phone. And I don't know, what would you say little Odon for what was your satisfactory level with, with your, with your visit to the Lego convention? A hundred out of 10. Yeah, you had a good time, didn't you? Yes. It's pretty cool what some of those people can come up with, especially when they're not using a map creatively. They're they're using brick for Lego bricks. These people like they're just masters. They they create. I'm sure you guys saw amazing things. You know, DP and I did one of those before. And little doubt, I got to tell you, we talked about commissioning artists. If you have some, uh, you know, clone that you aren't able to find. You know, uh, old DP as a 3D printer, you might be able to commission him to make you a couple. Well, uh, here, here's the camo clone with weapons. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah you gotta, you gotta have the What's the back look like? Oh, very cool. Yeah, the camo. That's pretty sweet, man. That's a pretty cool fig. And so, yeah, so it was a pretty successful thing. Reports are, so this thing sold out. Uh, they did four sessions. Saturday, they did a morning and an afternoon. Sunday, they did a morning and afternoon. Saturday, completely sold out. Uh, both times they did i think they were very diligent but diligent about managing the crowds it never felt overcrowded uh though the merch tables i, I say it didn't feel overcrowded. it didn't feel overcrowded looking at the displays the merch places where people were looking for like hidden gems those were crowded and kind of nuts like like there was like people just kind of trying to make their headway in and get whatever they could out of it but uh there was a lot of really cool stuff there. We had a I had a great time, and so we did that in the morning uh, at the Mass Mutual Center in Springfield. Now, the Mass Mutual in Springfield is directly across from the MGM Casino, the MGM Grand Casino in Springfield, Massachusetts. Which, I'm kids, I bet you didn't know that there was an MGM Grand Casino in Springfield, Massachusetts. Because why would there be one? But there is, and it's a very nice source of revenue, and it is also connected to a Regal Cinema. And so we were able to wrap up our session and then do walk-up seats to see the Blue Beetle in theaters. Poor Tony did not. So he's actually taking his headset off because he doesn't want to be spoiled in this conversation. Dave, I know you loved it. So before before you say your thoughts on this, let's start with myself and the little O'Dowd. Little O'Dowd, on your 10-point scale, what did you give Blue Beetle? say it's a nine out of ten little o'dowd giving it a nine out of ten i i love it i signaled that to tunnies just so that he doesn't know what's going on like it's hilarious we haven't even talked about the movie yet if you just kept your earphones on 
you would know what we're talking about. No, it was a nine out of ten. Anyway, he'll he'll catch on to this later when he he's going to be back in two and two. So as he he went all Chuck Woolery on us. All right. So Dave, I give this film an eight out of ten. I think it was a very very good film. I think uh, just to kind of start off, what was my favorite DC film out of the Snyderverse area? Which one do you, which one did I speak the most highly about? Because it's connected here. Shazam, I think, was your favorite. Shazam, Shazam, and the reason why Shazam was so good, in my opinion, because one, it was fun, but two, the familial connection that was important to the fabric of that movie and getting it to work. And in, and in the case of that film, Billy Batson finding a family and connecting to that was a wonderful story that worked really, really well with that character and was phenomenal. And in Blue Beetle, it's the same vibe that his family, Jaime Reyes's family, is the core of his character. And it made for a very, very, very good superhero film. And one that had a lot of heart, had a lot of fun. Uh, I was, you know, based on the trailers, I wasn't sure how the grandmama, the nana thing was going to work. Then when you when you actually see it play out, it, it was it was a lot better. Um, uh-huh. I, I felt I felt better about George Lopez, the uncle, after watching it. Like I thought it was going to be too much George Lopez, and, and it wasn't. Sh- he stole the show in a lot of places. He stole the show in a lot of places, but he didn't domineer the yeah. show, which is what I was worried about. I was worried about him being a domineering character in the podcast or in the podcast in the movie. As opposed to like sort of being a, a yes, strong he's in the podcast with us. <laughs> um, can I tell you what my least favorite part of the movie was? Susan Sarandon. Yeah, she was just kind of yeah. she was she was kind of a generic villain. It was just very generic. I was disappointed in that. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't she wasn't developed. She didn't very need well. to be. No, and I she think, didn't need to be. You know the the thing about the the show the movie you know the the uh, you know as they're alluding to Ted Cord a lot who was the original Blue Beetle and you see him come to full, you know, come full circle in the post credit stuff. But um, yeah, she just kind of seemed like, you know, you know, she's trying to develop OMAC, which I thought was cool that they had got that involved. I mean, they kind of dug a little deep into some DC lore into this movie deeper than I thought they would, but you know, her thing, just trying to get OMAC online and, and everything's about that. Um, yeah. I think her character could have used a little bit more development, um, a little bit more backstory. So you got to see just how, much of a, a piece of garbage she actually was. I mean, as it goes along, you get the definite feel. She only cares about herself. Everybody in her way needs to die and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought like you're saying, the family element of the movie is the strongest point. And, and I don't even know, arguably, I think you might even agree, it's stronger here than it is in Shazam because this is a true family, a true Latino family. Um, and you know, any, anybody who knows anything about them, you know how deep and how solid that fa- familial um, relationship can be. And I thought they, 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 I thought they captured that really well here. And, um, you know, George Lopez, the father who I, yeah, I, I, I love the movie. And uncle. I, George Lopez is the uncle. He's the uncle. I was talking about what happened with the father, you know. Oh, with the father, yeah. Um, right, right. I, I thought, you know, this is an interesting movie because, and I'll turn it back to you guys. Because it's it's straddling this line between DCEU and DCU. And it's in a really weird spot because you're not sure, is this part of Snyder's residue? Which I don't think it is. And is this start this really the beginning of like Gunn's sort of, um, you know, where he's going with this sort of thing? 
and it's in and it's in kind of a weird spot there because it's like I'm not sure which one it is. But if you're talking about a soft reset of the DC universe while you're waiting for Superman Legacy to come out, I thought this is really well, well, really well done. And uh, little O'Dowd, since your dad's busy on the phone, I, I will uh, let me ask you this: How do you like this compared to like? Did you see? Fl- you saw the Flash, right? You're muted. You're muted, buddy. You got to unmute yourself. There you go. Did- I. I kind of give the flash a six out of ten. It wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. So, right. and did you this think is much better? You thought this was much better, and I and I would agree with you that yeah. this is this is a a much better movie. It made more sense, um, and and that sort of thing. And so, oh, your dad's back. So, your son. I asked him. Sorry, that's okay. I asked I asked a little doubt if he saw the flash and how he compared this to that, and he said he liked this movie better. And I said I, I agree because you know, like I was saying when you got off the phone. Blue Beetle's in this weird spot where you're not exactly sure. Is this a DCU sort of situation and it stands alone? Or Gunn has said, we will see Jaime again at some point in the DC universe. This is not an official DC universe movie. But I said, if this is a soft reset, then I feel really good about where they're going. And, and that's kind of kind of where I was going to go. That Twitter, the Twitter X war I was telling you about earlier, Pat, it was all about this movie. So Really? Why? Did somebody hate it? They said, somebody said that i wish tony was listening to this he'd appreciate so somebody got on on the x and they said blue beetles unwatchable unwatchable because of its vfx and i shot back nothing screams credibility like a guy with eight followers and a blue check mark next to his name and of course that got a very (laughs) not so flattering response from this guy and i said i said you know and i said you want an actual argument when's the last time any vfx wowed you or blew you away lately I, i you know I haven't seen a lot of it. A lot of it's kind of generic looking. So to sit there and say, yeah, the VFX weren't the greatest in the world and this, they don't have to be. And I don't think it detracted from the movie at all. Sounding like it's sounding like it's terrible. Like the VFX weren't that bad. Like they were fine. No, seriously. Like I I didn't sit there. Like I, it's, it's not like I sat there and was like, wow, this looks cartoony. No, compared to the end of Secret Invasion and that fight between Gaia and the Super Scroll, those VFX were pretty wonky as well. So, I, I don't think you can you can make that comparison. I'm looking at the movie on the content and, and what it's standing for. And, and there are a lot. I know there are a lot of people who are saying this is an Iron Man ripoff. And yeah, they borrowed some elements of Iron Man to be sure. But they also borrowed some elements of Black Panther that worked very well in this movie. And I thought they didn't rip off Marvel, but they were smart enough to incorporate certain elements of the MCU that have worked so well. And it translated across in this movie. And I thought. This kid Zolo, you know, the guy who plays Miguel in Cobra Kai, I can't pronounce his name, but um, I thought he owned this role. Now, I won't look. I'm not saying that this is better than Iron Man. It's not. And I'm not saying that his performance was and I'm not saying his performance was as transcendent as Robert Downey's because it's not. But if you're looking to anchor a new beginning to a performance, this isn't bad. This is a pretty damn good start, a good place to start. So here's the beauty of this movie. Uh, no matter where where it fits, is that it stands alone. Like there's nothing else that is described going on around the film that has any sort of greater impact. So right. Gunn he can mentions, do with it as he pleases. He they mention Superman and they mention Flash, but they don't say which one. So you don't know who are they talking about. It could be any of them. Right. Well, they may, I mean they talk about Batman too. Batman's a fascist. It's a fascist. It's like one right. of the funniest lines in the movie. But the whole the whole thing though is like you don't see any other character. You hear about things like Little O'Dowd and I both picked up in the movie. I think one of the first things we noticed was where Jaime went to school. Like Jaime went to school in Gotham. 
So we know that, you know, he's connected to Gotham City and we and we both were like, oh, look, that's Gotham, Gotham College or whatever they called it. Um, and we're able to see and recognize that. But there's you can, can you can keep this character in his new universe or not. It doesn't even matter. Um, little Odell. So you liked this film. Let's just talk a little bit about what it was. What was it about Jaime and the character Blue Beetle that you thought was like cool or fun? Why do you think little kids will like this movie? Well, little kids may not pick up on the story or anything, but it looks good, good enough. It it's epic enough to like keep someone's attention span, and it is good. It's good. Um, when you uh, when you don't get up to take a bathroom break in the middle of a movie, that's usually a good sign. Little O'Dowd held on. So he got through the first credit scene and then he was like, he was like, um, oh, I see. I see what was going on. Uh, Little O'Dowd held on through the first credit scene and was like, can we take a break and come back for the mid credit scene? And we made it for the end credit scene. And then Little O'Dowd, tell me what you thought about that last final credit scene. Was it worth coming back? Oh, he's, he's saying no. He's, he's keeping himself muted now. Um, no, he uh, he did not appreciate the uh, the nod to Mexican public access uh, television, which I, I get. That's fine. Oh. cool. Dave, any other thoughts on Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle before we let it go? No, uh, I just I think, you know, I'm looking at the box office numbers. It did dethrone Barbie, but it's only twenty five million, which is I think that's disappointing. But there's a lot of stuff kind of going on. I think, you know, like there, there's somebody who's speculating that what we're dealing with in California may have kept people away um, from the theater, especially in the heavily uh, Latino areas, the Hispanic areas down in San Diego, that stuff. They haven't been able to get to the movies because, you know, Hillary is threatening to flood them all out. Maybe that had something to do. Um, it's gotten solid reviews. I'm hoping word of mouth will generate more people to come out. It had, you know, I was looking at numbers trying to compare it to Iron Man and say, well, how close was it? Not close. Iron Man debuted at 108 million. So we're not talking in the same ballpark at all. But I still think that it's, you know, to wash the stench and the nastiness of the flash out of your mouth for the DC universe, this Blue Beetle could be called Scope, you know, in that respect, because it really did get a lot of that away and and got us back on track with a with a very fun. And I agree with you 100 percent, Pat. Lot, and I told that to somebody I said, I said, look, as far as DC movies goes, I would put this on an even footing with Shazam. It's not Wonder Woman, um, but I like this just as much as Shazam. It's got the same sort of heart, the same sort of comedy, the same sort of uh, that sense of family. Um, yeah. And, and I kind of wanted to get Nana's backstory a little bit more, you know, and see like, okay, she was involved in some insurgency. So I kind of want to know what happened and how did she just kick ass as well as she apparently did. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a really solid movie where they go, whether they include it in anything moving forward. I don't know, but if they are great, cause I think he killed this role. And I thought the last thing I'll say is if you've watched Cobra kind, we all have this role was perfect for him because this is kind of Miguel amplified a little bit with superpowers, you know, and, and it was the same sort of character and I could feel Miguel the whole time this was going on. So I thought this is a perfect role for him. Well, all right, well, let's see if our hand signals to tiny to get him back on the show will work. He's kind of listening a little, you must be able to hear. Yeah, hey, look, He things. did. He did. All right. Welcome back to the program. Tony, 
We uh, we're gonna do our before we walk away from Blue Beetle. We do have to go through one last time. Everybody on the panel, Blue Beetle, thumbs up or thumbs down. David Ungar, thumbs up. Little O'Dowd, thumbs up. I give it a thumbs up as well. Blue Beetle, nerd approved. Thank you very much. All right, fellas, we are rolling into the final segment of the show. This is our second kind of clipped quick show. Getting well under the two-hour mark, only an hour and a half today. Uh, what you watching? Little O'Dowd, what do you like to watch these days? What do you watch? Like, when you watch television, what you watch? Not much. <laughs> what did you watch this morning? Uh, I, I honestly can't remember. You don't remember what movie we watched this morning? Nope. You picked it. You picked the movie. <laughs> Makes fun of Star Wars? Oh, Spaceballs. Uh, yeah. Great movie. I, hey, I hate when our shorts get tangled. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> we did we did indeed watch Spaceballs. I uh, just wrapped up the... I wrapped up my season of Warrior on HBO, on, on Max. Hell of a great finale. Everything fell apart at the end of that series. So I actually need to look and see. I'm like, damn, I hope it got renewed. Because if it didn't get renewed, if Max does that shit where they just like let the show go away... I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really sad because uh, oh oh such a great finale to to that season. Also uh, started watching Harley Quinn season three, the animated series on Max. Thinking about checking out that new Superman series. I've heard good things about it on on the animated front. Um, it's supposedly really really good. So interested in checking it out. It's it's Superman is in his younger years. So nothing really particularly new for me. Uh, Dave, what have you been watching? What are you going to watch while you're battening down the hatches for all the rain? I don't know, man. <laughs> it, it, was all, it was all about The Witcher this week for me, and I didn't get a chance. I was too busy with other stuff to really spend um, a lot of time watching anything other than other than the getting in the episode of The Witchers. I, I, well, I take the back. I did go back to Vikings and, and started watching more of that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, don't, I still got to work on finishing up Game of Thrones, especially since you're making analogies to it in our Witcher discussion and uh, got to keep going on Ted Lasso as well. So, and um, yeah. Did you watch that season one finale? No, I didn't have a chance this week. It's, been, it's been just, yeah, yeah. Like we're going to have to batten down. The rains have arrived. My wife, you know, you heard her earlier say it's not raining yet. Well, she came back 30 minutes later saying, okay, it's raining now. <laughs> so I think we are, uh, we are into it now. So we will uh, see if the house floats away off the foundations. All right. I well, would, all the best. In all seriousness, all the best to you. And you should, uh, there, man. you I, should start downloading stuff you want to watch in case the Wi-Fi goes out. Right, right. Tony, you're recording this in case the power goes out, right? So we can get this episode up. <laughs> always recording. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's it's all BSing aside. It is a little unprecedented out here, but hey, drought's over in one day. There you go. Let the floods come. Tony, what are you up to? On what are you watching? I, the same thing. Uh, I, it was either Blue Beetle or uh, The Witcher, and I had to watch The Witcher. Um, you chose so poorly. <laughs> I, I want. Well, I knew we were. It wasn't that bad, you guys? It wasn't. I was so happy after any after the sixth episode. Anyway, um, I'm watching the same stuff. I'm, I'm watching Master Chef is is coming to a conclusion. Stars on Mars, Big Brother started, but I want to put an addendum this time. Uh, Madden 24 came out. What you plan? And I got to tell you, the gameplay is a little different. They did uh, a little overhead overhaul on the gameplay, and it's pretty cool. 
You can choose from a different uh, a few passing styles. I went with the original one, and it is still a little different. So upgrade on the animation, on the graphics, if you will. Looks great. Plays very fun. It plays a lot more realistic in my mind, and I like it a lot. So good for those over at EA. EA's been doing some good work lately. I mean, they did what you're talking about with Madden. EA Sports PGA Tour is fantastic. Um, NHL 23 was very different. I can't dominate that game like I've dominated every other one. It's the first time, and I would say close to a decade, they've actually changed the game instead of updating the rosters and putting different graphics in. That's encouraging. So, um, as you guys know... Yeah. Yeah. What are you this playing on the dog. PS5, How man? How did you guys even pull yourselves away to do the show today? Really? Or go or go because to the we don't Lego have any, convention? We don't own any PS5 games yet. That's part of it. Oh, I got it. I got the, you. Uh, the first PS5 game that is going to be purchased is going to be Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 does not come out for PS5 on September 2nd. Little O'Dowd played the complimentary game that teaches you how to yes, yes, the controllers. Is that the one yeah, where you're in Otto's, Otto's bedroom or some nonsense like that? You have to, uh, you got to get PlayStation Plus to play that game, right? For online no, and everything? No, it's completely free as if you get the PlayStation. Are you talking about Baldur's Gate 3? Yeah, I'm talking about Baldur's Gate 3. To play no, other no. people, you're going to have to get PlayStation Plus to play with other people, though. No, you don't have to. Is we can it's do not, a split screen. It's not, we just want to do it for a yeah. split screen co-op. It's not like Xbox Live, Tony. You don't need you no. don't need it for PlayStation. No, but then if we did a if we did a chair shot run on it, you'd have to get PlayStation Plus. But uh, well, I'm going to ask that question now. And now, and here's my thing though: you do get three free games a month to download with PlayStation Plus. Right. And, yeah. PlayStation, and PlayStation Plus, Plus and Xbox Ultimate Game Pass. They. They've got some good deals on there. What I'm trying to say is you might want to look into PlayStation Plus knowing that you could just download three games for free right now and every month if you're going to need it I, anyway. Um, 15 bucks. I don't know that we're going to need it. If you're planning on using online multiplayer, yes, you will need PlayStation Plus in order to play Baldur's Gate 3. However, this is not an online online only game, so if you're planning on experiencing a story by yourself, you won't need an active subscription. Or it does do a split-screen co-op version, which is have a little doubt, and I oh, intend no, to play it. If yeah, you guys are good. Can, can I ask the little uh, doubt a question? You can ask the little doubt a question. What game do you want for your birthday from Uncle Dave? That, well, that was that was kind of it. But no, what game are you looking forward to playing most on the PlayStation 5? I, I, I don't know. I'm like, the only game that I really have to look forward to is Baldur's Gate 3. So. And you're wanting to play that? You're looking forward to that game? Yeah. Well, because be here's the true story. Little O'Dowd plays Dungeons and Dragons with my friend. That is so, very true. And so this game and its mechanics and how it works, like he's got a leg up because he understands how the game works. Uh, and that was part of why I wanted to own the game is so that there was a video game that the two of us could play together that wouldn't frustrate me because I love his Nintendo Switch and all, but I suck at Super Smash Brothers. I suck <laughs> at first person shooters. I suck. And like anything. Your, what's your favorite first well. person shooter? What's your favorite shooter, Little O'Dowd? Uh, uh, it depends for zombies games, but I prefer Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2, okay. which is not on the Switch. So I had to. It is, it is a PlayStation exclusive. PlayStation or Xbox. There you go. Now, the other shooter that you play a lot of that you seem to get a lot of legwork, though, out of is Splatoon. And he'll yeah. play Splatoon 2 and 3 quite a bit. Gotcha. Um, very, very fun games. And I'm okay with it because it's, it's like paintball. You're not blasting people into oblivion. 
same thing with plants versus zombies. Like you're you're a plant or a zombie. It's not exactly the real deal. So, all right, fellas, we are at the end of our show. Let's quickly, first of all, give a big round of applause to the little O'Dowd for joining the program today. Thank you for jumping on. Thank you. I hope you I hope you had a good time. Did you enjoy yourself today? Yes. So thanks a lot for jumping on. All right, guys. Time to do a quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you on the Chair Shot Radio Network and how they can follow you on the socials. We'll start this week with PC Tony. I want to know, um, get a hold of my agent and get that snack um thing in my contract that I'd be provided snacks during Ben Wagon Nerds as well. Um Yeah. But yeah, you know. Thanks, Patrick. Um, but LOD, great job today, buddy. I think you knocked it out of the park. I enjoyed doing the podcast with you. So I'm sure we'll see you again soon. Great glasses you got as well. Uh, you can follow me at PC Tunney and make sure, like Patrick says, check everything Chair Shot Radio Network, sports, entertainment, and sports entertainment, all of your favorite streaming platform. David Ungar. Yes, great time having the LOD here. And because he's yeah. here... We will spare DP our weekly um, yeah. chastising. So yeah, we won't. What a lucky do. guy. Well, what yeah. a lucky. He can thank. He can thank uh, Mr. Little O'Dowd one how day. This, how about this? Thank you, DP. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but you can find me on the X Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A G G. If you do come after me and you only have eight followers and a blue check mark, you can expect to have me rip you a new one. <laughs> like. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, face yeah, that's, that's a real thing, Tony. You should have seen, you should follow my tweets and get involved in that. But, uh, you can also check me out on facebook.com slash attitude of aggression and yeah, fun stuff. And you can follow me on the X Twitter at wrestling realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. Also be sure to follow the show on the X Twitter at bandwagon nerds, just how it's spelled. Make sure that you also Check me out on other socials, Insta. I'm on Insta. Same handle. Facebook. Yeah, we don't do Facebook. Nobody I, follows me on Facebook. I stopped listening to the Greg DeMarco show and started listening to Musical Chairs, just so you guys know. Thank, <laughs> oh, thank you, Tony. Wait, you forgot, you, to, you forgot that, me. You can week, follow me nowhere, 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 and nowhere. Oh, my goodness. There He's you a, go. At least you're it's consistent. Natural. That's more consistent than your passwords, according Tell to your hey, dad. You know, Tell them they can stay tuned to this show because I'm sure you'll be back. How about that? Yeah, yeah. You just stay tuned to this show. You'll see the little down. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network, although not next week. Next week is Patrick O'Dowd's hiatus week when the University of Massachusetts opens. So no Patrick O'Dowd for Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday or next week. But this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you, of course, catch me Mondays on Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays, currently doing musical chairs, though we do do hockey talk in the hockey season with David Ungar. And then on Wednesdays, I hang out with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco show where we talk wrestling and make up lists. It's a lot of fun. Give us a listen. That's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun. And you know what? Go check out blue Beetle. Great film. A lot of fun, full of heart, family film. You're going to love it. Take your kids. They're going to have a great time. You've been listening to bandwagon. Also, nerds here on the chair shot. Re- oh, what's that? Also touch grass. Also and touch trees. grass. And, and look trees. at the sun, but not directly. And not directly. I was about to say, yeah, reading that decl- good, disclaimer there. Good call. <laughs> all right. So do all those things. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network. 
on the chair shot. God. Oh. <laughs>